Howdy folks, this is the shit that physios need to know, so let's get into it. Howdy folks, we've got a slightly different podcast here today, we're actually out in the field at a sporting ground and we thought it might be a good opportunity to hear from uh, from a student and get their take on, I guess, what makes them scared and what also makes them excited about being a new grad and about graduating and uh, and starting as a physiotherapist. So we're going to have a listen to, to Lucy and uh, and her take-homes and, and thoughts on that. And, uh, and then we'll Josh and I will come back together and, and discuss uh, how we think we might be able to improve that situation for her when she starts working um, and I guess make it a smoother transition. My name is Lucy and like Nick said, um, I'll be touching on some things I'm looking forward to and some things I'm nervous about in my first year as a new graduate physio. Um, So I found it a little bit difficult to isolate the two in terms of what I'm excited about, what I'm nervous about, because I think they mesh together quite nicely. So what I'm excited about is also what what makes me nervous and vice versa. What I'm nervous about makes me excited because obviously I'll be going through a bit of a learning curve in my first year. So one thing about doing the physiotherapy course has taught me, or at least consolidated for me, is that this profession is what I'm passionate about. I want to help people, I want to optimise their function, you know, improve their quality of life and try to provide the best service. But in saying that, it's also what I'm very nervous about. I, I don't want to get it wrong. And coming out of the course, I feel like there we do do sort of placements and everything, but a more hands-on approach is sort of where you start to learn a little bit more about the profession. So I'm quite nervous about, you know, missing important concepts or pathologies that would, you know, adversely affect the patient's outcomes. I'm aware that you know, after a degree, you don't know everything. We can't possibly know everything. Um, And I know that in the first year as a new grad, the learning curve really increases rapidly. But I think it's important to just accept that everyone makes mistakes. We're going to make mistakes in our first year, especially. It's just, it's human. It's how you learn. Um, And the only way to sort of improve your confidence practicing as a physio is by doing it yourself. You can watch and shadow a number of physios, but the concept wouldn't stick as well as it would if you were to do it yourself. So that's kind of the main thing that I'm excited about and nervous about is the learning that I'll be able to do in this first year. And I know that as that kind of improves, my confidence will also improve. My rapport with the patients will improve because they'll instill some trust in me as well. Um, Another thing that sort of comes as a given when you come out of five years of studying um, is being able to earn some money and actually be able to pay some bills. Um, In saying that, it does make me a little bit nervous because I don't think in uni we get taught enough about like billing or salary or taxes or performance targets that you should hit in a new grad position or anything like that. So that I think would benefit a lot of new grad physios if we if we sort of ventured into those topics within uni Um, but in saying that again you sort of learn everything by doing it and by going into the right sort of practice in your first year that can help you teach a lot about that in saying that as well 
it can be a bit nerve-wracking for a first-year student or sorry first-year physio new grad physio in choosing the right supportive environment to begin your practicing um we can't be picky because we are new grads and frankly anywhere that will pay money would look good for us but if it's not a supportive environment that provides like some one-on-one mentoring or professional development sessions that could really add stress to what new grads are already feeling within their first year and it's something that again uni doesn't touch on quite as much is the like the important questions to ask at job interviews and things that would benefit you in your new grad year um and with that like expectations to have from the clients in terms of caseloads billings um whether we should be going onto a contract payment or have salary payments like i said before what even are taxes because if you don't get taught in school then it's sort of you don't really get taught anywhere except by learning it on the job so that's another thing that i think new grads can be quite nervous about is sort of where to start and where would help you become the best physio that you possibly can especially in that first year where everything's a bit scary and unfamiliar um really having a supportive environment around you i feel really adds to reducing the stress and sort of improving your confidence as well um i guess just about physiotherapy in general what makes me really excited about the profession is the opportunities that it gives it's so diverse that you could literally work in any environment you could work with athletes you could go overseas you could follow sporting teams around the world or you can do some teaching at a uni i find that it just excites me that it's a very mentally stimulating profession and not everyone will present the same so your mind constantly has to tick over and use clinical reasoning to try and work out what is going on with the patient um and treating everyone how they present basically so what excites me is basically i know that in 10 years it's not like it's not a profession that i'll be bored with it's always going to keep my mind ticking over and if it does start to bore me then there's different avenues that you can take um in the future that can try and sort of stimulate your mind a little bit more so they're basically the main things that i'm excited/nervous about but i know that in first year having hands on experience all those things all the things that i'm nervous about will turn into what i'm excited about because i know that in my first year that's that's when i'm going to do the most learning and my learning curve is just going to go up and up and up from here um so all in all i'm very very excited to start practicing as a physio it's what all our students have worked so hard to do so it'll be nice to put everything we've learned into practice and just keep on learning we love it so thank you for having me bye bye all right well, we've just heard back from lucy and i guess that uh that gives me a chance to bring in my steam colleague josh carter hello for today um but yeah we did just listen to to lucy so lucy's a student with us at the moment um soon to be a new grad only weeks away from graduating and it's interesting to to listen to her take on things some will be a little bit biased because i she spent the last 4 weeks with me so it's been probably um has molded a little bit of the things i think she needs to look for and be excited about but what do you make of it josh i get that lucy's a walking paradox because she's both nervous and excited 
a fair Absolutely. bit. Yep. And I think I remember that feeling, I think, although I was probably just more nervous rather than excited, probably shitting myself to be perfectly honest. But she brings up a couple of good points, doesn't she? And I think the first one that uh, resonated with me was uh, not wanting to get it wrong and not wanting to make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think that's everybody, isn't it? In, in any aspect or walk of life, I think the, the, the better prepared you are, the more you realize that you could make a mistake. And I think the hardest thing for any older physio or boss or mentor to sort of try and impart upon people is we're going to get it wrong. Yeah. You know, the, I, I, I harp back on it to a, a lot, but the whole framework that I used for physiotherapy that I was taught in the 90s has now been proven to be wrong. But people got better. So um, I, I think you can't, you can't go treating and working people worried about making a mistake. Yes, you, you, you can't do anything um, you know, to hurt people and, and you can't be inappropriate and all those sorts of things. But I think in a, in a certain way, you, you're sort of almost stopped or, or limited in your ability to do things if you're so concerned about doing the wrong thing or getting it wrong. You know, we are going to get things wrong. We'll, we'll occasionally get a diagnosis wrong. We'll occasionally, uh, as I have proved, treat the wrong arm yes, or treat the wrong yeah, leg. We've all been there. Um, and I get that, and that's obviously not what Lucy's really referring to, but um, I get that there's a, a problem and, and, a, and an issue, but I think the whole idea is, you know, go back to process. You know, you, if you go back to the processes that you've learned and hopefully that, that are, are where the workplace where you are, um, even if you did make a mistake, you, you're quickly going to be, I guess, corrected to be back on the, the right path. Yeah, and I, and I guess in physio, like, what is a mistake? Because you could literally justify any treatment or any sort of assessment or objective thing, as long as it's not causing harm um, to the patient, of course, that's rule number one. But realistically, the word mistake in physio, I think, is a real gray area because maybe there's a treatment or maybe there's a technique that could have got someone better a bit quicker. But the natural course of life is that people will heal. Well, we're just there to support that. So I think there's no necessarily wrong way of doing something there's maybe a more efficient way of doing something. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's a, a better way to probably look at physio as well. I think it's not that a, a new grad or a new, uh, you know, a new to physio um, or new to outpatients, new to private practice, it makes mistakes that they might just have been less efficient. Uh, yeah, that's 100% right. I mean, look, we all do occasionally get the diagnosis wrong that, and that's, you know, that can be put back to... We've not been able to tease out the right information, or we've gone down a path because we've, you know, we've recognised a pattern, and we thought, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that it's this, and I'm going to test this, and we get a bit of confirmation bias. But um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a mistake. That that's not a, a learning opportunity, and we would correct that in the next, you know, appointment when the patient hadn't improved. So a mistake, I would imagine, if if we were getting down to the nitty-gritty would be not correcting that you know mm. knowing for after that first assessment first treatment if we didn't make an improvement not correcting what we did um, to better align with improving the patient and just continuing to go down that path because that's the path that we chose in that first appointment which to be fair does happen in some of those um, clinics and, and I've been a part of this the clinics where might be a you know an outpatient clinic linked to a larger hospital where you're given the diagnosis upon presentation and where sometimes it's impressed upon you that the doctor is smarter than you are 
So if they thought that this was the diagnosis, this is the diagnosis, this is what you're going to treat because the referring doctor has sent this person for this treatment. And so even though you might be second guessing that and you might think, oh, I'm not actually sure that it is this, um, you're in that nervous spot of thinking, well, this person who's referred this person to me is potentially more knowledgeable than I am and I'm gonna treat it this way. So that's probably one area where I've seen, unfortunately, new grads almost slip into this um, autopilot mode and probably make mistakes in that they don't trust themselves or back themselves uh, as physios and they've just taken the diagnosis as, as a given. Yeah, definitely. And it, another thing Lucy seemed to talk about was something that we've had a few chats about, but it was the the unknown territory in private practice or starting in private practice with pay and should you be a contractor, should you be an employee, you know, um, she says it's going to be nice to, to pay the bills. So I guess we do have some podcasts on that. Absolutely. I don't remember what episodes they were. No, I don't either. Earlier, earlier ones, you might just have to we go can... and listen to all of our podcasts <laughs> to find those little gems. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But that, that I would agree, and I think that's something that certainly at the couple of universities that I would deal with, that I do do some... The two universities. Two universities that I I do do some teaching (laughs) at. Um, That's become more and more an area that I teach and and have access to students with and and discuss with, and it is a really concerning area. It's more concerning for me when I broach the subject and they've got absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. And it's one of those things that I believe in in outpatients, in private practice, is the, the scary component that sometimes stop people going into that sort of aspect or line of work. It's also the area that I think there's an enormous amount of confusion, um, and confusion builds conspiracy theories. People think that this person's trying to, you know, screw you out of money or do the wrong thing, and, and I try, hopefully, uh, and hopefully in our podcast that you can listen to, try to sort of dispel a few of those rumours, you know, why a percentage is the way that it is. Um, generally, as a blanket rule, I would say that the percentage that you're getting paid for what you bill is, is not related to how experienced you are. It's not related to, uh, you know, to how good you are. It, it's essentially a formula based upon how much it costs to have admin and, and room rental or, or or uh, you know commercial rent space so there's a lot of those sort of things that are sort of difficult and I think confusing for the new grad and again yeah we're not taught that you know we're not talk about taught about do I need to get an ABN am I taking care of my own taxes is the employee you know paying my tax you know super holiday leave leave loading all sorts of things that even as a you know 20 plus year physio I, I can get confused and and bogged down with so 100% that, that is one area um, and we, you know, we're not even taught at school or anything about taxes and paying stuff like that. Yet all of a sudden, when you graduate, you might be in a situation where you've got your own ABN and you're trying to do it. And probably if I see physios that have gone awry or, or things have gone bad, sometimes it's to do with money. You know, yeah. it's very unlikely, um, you know, there's an occasional, you know, urban myth or story about a physio that's done something inappropriate. But the majority of the time, it's to do with money. And I, I truly believe it's because we're not taught that that sort of vital component yeah exactly right i think it's um what lucy talks about is a bigger bigger issue of uh university training for private practice you know my experience with uni and i think it's pretty common for everyone is that it's pretty hospital physiocentric there's not a lot of private practices probably changing a little bit there's probably a bit of lip service to private practice i get people like yourself you know 
wise old physios to come in and sure. and babble on about their life experience. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes people might listen to those people and sometimes not. But <laughs> the general structure of the courses, I think, has got to change. And this is a pro- probably a whole other podcast that diverges from the point of this one. But how physio is taught, and I guess if, you, if you're a physio that wants to get into private practice, probably needs to change. Absolutely. And I, I think... In, in Lucy's instance, that's what she's looking to do. Like she wants to be in private practice, and and she would. I guess the things that she's most fearful of aren't um, aren't necessarily the things that have even come up in the course. You know, they're the things that she's not touched on. One of the biggest things I touch on, and it would people out there would cringe, particularly people who are involved with the universities and uh, and perhaps people who who don't work in private practice would cringe to know. But you know, I do a, a lecture where I, I use one particular patient and their condition, and I show the three or four different ways that that's treated dependent on who's paying for that service. Um, you know, it's a it's a, something I come back to regularly. And unfortunately, when we learn physio, we learn about a particular condition and the best practice to treat that condition. We don't necessarily learn the best practice for that treatment based upon who's actually paying. And unfortunately, that is the way it is. You know, we we do have to limit sometimes what we do based upon who's paying. If somebody's been given a third party sort of referral, they've only got three physio treatments, that's not gonna look the same as the person who's gonna come in every day until they get better, which might happen at an elite sports team. So unfortunately, but we're taught one model, and that one model um, isn't the same thing that you'll approach in, in, in private practice, and, and that makes it difficult. Absolutely, Nick. Yeah. So I think, look, I'd go back and have a listen to Lucy, see if Lucy's, um, I guess, fears or, or doubts um, or excitement equals you. We'd love to know what, what you're most, uh, not afraid of necessarily, but but most sort of apprehensive about when you're entering the practice or entering you know, private practice physio. Uh, it is a daunting sort of period. It is a period where... Trust me, everyone has been through exactly what you're about to go through, and those that have already been through it hopefully can uh, can almost recognise the things that we're talking about and, and how they got through with that. It is an opportunity to talk to one of those physios, hopefully, that have been through that, um, to maybe get some of their strategies in place. We're just here, sort of, I guess, trying to break down exactly what um, we heard in Lucy, but you know, there might be other people and other strategies that are, that are better for you. We are going to be back very, very soon. We've had a bit of a delay with some of our podcasts. Um, and we will probably in the next podcast look at maybe to a degree dissecting um, the Cook versus Meekins mm. online debate, which was Great a really, debate. really interesting debate, sort of manual therapy versus hands-off therapy um, or Cook versus Meekins, uh, which I thought was a fantastic uh, thing. And I'll put a link to that in the next podcast. So um, if you have got a chance, you're listening to this one, please find that uh, that online. It's on YouTube, uh, manual therapy versus non-manual therapy, because we are going to discuss that in our next podcast. Sounds good.